Hello, welcome to a Sideways Life podcast. I'm Leanne. I'm Al. Hello. Hi, 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 hi. Um, and we're back. Yes, we're back. You must Proper have missed this it. time. Yeah. Yeah, we got distracted because um, it's, we're still a little bit sunny over here in Istria. And so we thought, well, maybe we could just have like a few afternoons on the wine and perhaps sit in the garden in the sun. And, and then, when we haven't, we've actually had to do some work this month. I know. We've had quite quite a bit to do. So <laughs> between working and sunshining, podcasting just slipped to the bottom of the list. It Sorry. Did. It did. So we missed it. So I think we've missed last week. So this will be released um, our tomorrow, your today, obviously. Um, and so hopefully we're back on it. Anyway, so enough of the bollocks. What are we talking about today? Indeed. So today we're talking about money. Um, but what we're going to do, we've been chatting about how we're going to how we're going to make the next few episodes um, a bit more interesting. So we're going to tie it all into a bit of an autumn-winter theme. And you'll see that over on our Instagram as well over the next few weeks. Um, because one of the things we realise is that when it comes to living and, and working abroad... A lot of people think, oh, you spend your days on the beach, you, you're always in the sunshine, blah, blah, blah. And the truth is in summer, where we choose to go in Europe anyway, we are, which mm-hmm. is why we've not been around much. <laughs> but autumn and winter is a little bit different. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd, an honest guide, we need to we need to talk about living and working abroad when it's not all sunshine and blue skies. So what's, what we've got for you lovely listeners is over, we've got today we're talking about how we live and money and how much it costs to live the kind of lifestyle we live in, which is not a not an extravagant lifestyle. Then we are speaking to the amazing Yulia about children and traveling with children. And then after that, we've got an episode on the best places in Europe for autumn. And then part two, the best places in Europe for winter, including Christmas markets. Um, so that should be, oh, hopefully it's going to be quite interesting. We've been to a lot of uh, a lot of places in autumn and winter, and we've been to a lot of Christmas markets, so we'll tell you what we think is the best. Yes. Okay, so let's go back to money. Yes, so a lot of people ask us, and it, it can be a slightly annoying question. I'm sure if there's any expats or digital nomads out there, you'll you'll... You'll, you'll get it when someone says something like, how do you afford to live abroad? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how do you afford to live in the UK? I'm pretty mm. sure I spend less than you do. But the point is, it can look all a bit mysterious and behind the behind curtain and all that kind of stuff. So we thought we're going to be really honest about what our budget is, what we spend money on, how much we're giving you numbers and figures and everything. Um, so you can really understand what it is in terms of a budget you might need or in terms of savings, you think about moving before you've settled into a job, just a bit more of an idea financially what, what can work. Absolutely. And so it starts off that in this whole journey for us started off about 2009. We were in a, I always get it wrong. Where were we in France, Leanne, for my mum's birthday? Dijon. Dijon. And so we're sitting there looking at the local paper and we realised that there was like an 800 square foot apartment for rent for 300 or 350 euros, I think it was, maybe yeah. 400, I can't remember. It was around about that. We were living in a 500 square foot apartment in Manchester um, back in the day when it was, and we were paying 600 pounds for that. And that's still cheap. If you, go, if you know Manchester these days, um, you know, central Manchester. Central Manchester. You're talking about eight or nine hundred pounds for that kind of apartment now, and also the euro was one point four oh, before oh, Brexit. Good oh, yeah, that was good. Um, and so, uh, so we looked at it and we're like, hang on a minute, we could literally halve our rent by moving to Dijon. Yeah. Now we didn't, but it did make us think. You know, living abroad, you think, oh well, you're going to need all this money. It's going to. You look at holidays and how much holiday rentals cost and everything. A rough rule of thumb is whatever you pay for a week in the summer is about what you'd pay for a month if you got a long-term rental. 
Um, and so you can look on Airbnb and whatever you're charged for a week is generally roughly about what you'll pay a month on, on a 12-month rental. Um, so when you look at that, you realize that actually it is cheaper to live abroad or even stay abroad for six months than it is to go away for six weeks in the, uh, in, in the summer. I'm not suggesting that you do that, but you look at me weird now, Leanne. <laughs> no, I agree. It is, it is more affordable than you realise. And I think before we launch into our current budget, um, we should say that when we started, we did have less money. We were earning less. Um, and we were probably, what do you reckon, about half, maybe two-thirds of the budget we're talking about now? We were living off then. It was considerably lower I think because of the euro being 1.4, in other words, what I mean is um, that for one pound, you could get 1.4 euros. Now for one pound, you can get 1.1 euros. So it means that we've got less money uh, because we earn in pounds. But no, I think probably when we very first started, it was equivalent to about half of what we, what yeah, we paid. Yeah, I think so. Now, and possibly even like two thirds of what we paid in Manchester. Yeah, and I think as well, if you... We're a little bit extra, let's be honest. <laughs> we like living in nice places and doing nice things. And we can afford that now, so why not? We work for it and we have it. Um, but I think it is definitely affordable, probably to the point of half this budget easily um, to live abroad. Depending, obviously, if you've got a big family and you need a big place to live, then, of course, that's going to increase. But if you're just a couple, um, then you could probably easily do this lifestyle on half of what we're about to talk about now. Yeah, and spoiler alert... If we took our same budget for living in Croatia, which is the biggest, I think, biggest monthly budget we've ever had, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we went back to Manchester, we wanted to live somewhere in Manchester, we wouldn't be able to get anywhere close to what we've got now. No. Um, you know, we, we probably need to be adding another 50% or even 100% to it. So, so just bear that in mind, that this is not all about us going, look, we earn loads of money and this is how we live. It's not. It's more like saying, we don't earn that much money but we look what we can get for it when we come out somewhere like Croatia or Spain or anywhere you're thinking in the UK, in, in Europe, apart from obviously the capitals. If you want to live in the centre of Berlin, then this budget might not be applicable. Baby, don't know. Not lived in the centre of Berlin, so couldn't comment. No. So we're going to kick off this with a, sort of the, the four or five sections as we cut into, into is going to be things you need to budget for, um, other things to consider. How we live, how much our cost is, how much our house is, what going out, how much we spend on food, ways to save money, and then we're going to talk at the end about resources, things that we've found really, really useful um, uh, for websites, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that's going to help you to decide where you want to live, how much you need to live, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, do you want to kick things off, lovely Leah, with things you need to budget for? Yes. So, in terms of everyday kind of like costs so the first thing is rent um our rent budget has fluctuated so much since we've been traveling um as al said back in the day when it was still 1.4 when we first moved to spain i think our first apartment was 500 euros which at the time equated to about 375 pound a month oh they were good times man <laughs> I miss um but now we and typically probably for the last couple of years we've allocated about a thousand pound a month for rent and bills mm -hmm. That's been from Airbnbs to longer term lets to hotels. Typically, we've stayed within that. Um, it is a little bit higher now. We're in 
Istria mm-hmm. um, because we've got a long-term let, but not that much more. Um, so I think we probably need to allow maybe another two to three hundred pounds a month for bills. We need to add on our bills basically now, don't we? We do. And the other thing to consider is that uh, you can probably get a house for what well, a house that might be four hundred euros a month for winter might might or might be two thousand euros a month for the summer months, which is uh, uh, generally June, July, August, September. Yeah. Um, and th- certainly you'll find that in certainly in Croatia, not so much in Spain, I don't think in rural Spain, but uh, they'll often say, oh, that you can rent this house for 400 euros a month. And then you will look at it and go, yeah, but then when it comes to there was one we saw, it was 800 euros a month, private pool, beautiful place. But uh, it was something like 10,000 euros a month for July and August and September. Um, so, you know, they do advertise it slightly differently. So just bear that in mind. If you take a 12 month let or a long term Airbnb let, um, then you are potentially going to save a bit of money. Just be aware with the um, long-term Airbnb lets. If you take anything over thirty days via the app, you have n- and you cancel, you don't get your money back. Anything under thirty days, or it might actually be twenty-eight. Anything under twenty-eight days, if you cancel for whatever reason, you get your money back or a portion of your money back. Soon as you book for over thirty days, there's no recompense. Check that yes. word out. Yes, indeed. Cheers to that vocab. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about rent. Uh, what other? That's obviously the major major expense. What else? Do it we, is. We I mean, other for? things that are, I guess are fairly similar to wherever you live. Um, but one thing that we spend a lot of money on currently, and is one thing you need to really think about and look at, particularly for all those people like us that are in their uh, over thir- late thirties, early forties older health insurance medical insurance does become a lot more important because shit can go wrong and And it does and it has um so yeah so we we chose this year we needed to have private health insurance for our croatia digital nomad visa um and we looked at a few providers and we actually decided this was a time that we got a bit serious about our health insurance so our health insurance is currently with cigna uh, which is a really good company that offers global health insurance typically excluding the us however um for people who have a more transient lifestyle or spend a lot of time abroad Um, just to be clear that it's excluding visits to the us not necessarily us people yes sorry visits to the us yes i think that has a slightly different structure so we're talking about worldwide care excluding the us Uh, we have all the emergency cover hospital care um, but then we also have other things like um any other long-term acute illness whether it be cancer or diabetes or whatever Mm. else horrible things can happen as we start to get older um it also includes more um also includes mental health care as well. Um, it includes doctor checkups. It includes vaccinations, not the COVID one, because that's not on private health insurance, but any other vaccination you may need is fully covered. Um, things like physiotherapy are covered, outpatient care. Um, it's pretty much oh, annual checkups, like full annual like MRTs we get as well. Um, including lady bits and also when you're a slightly older gentleman, that horrible gentleman bit, which thankfully I'm not old enough yet for. But Yeah, so all your, all your annual checkups in that sense are covered as well. And you can choose to have them wherever you are. Um, so you can have that. If you'd rather have those checkups in your native country, you can choose to do that. If you need to have care or want to have care when you're away, you can do that as well. We have used them for lots of different things they do gp consultations via video calls via telephone calls we've actually been really impressed by how quickly they respond and how much is included in the package that we have it isn't cheap we currently pay 458 pounds a month for that care so it is a significant part of our budget 
Um, it's a decision that we've made. It's important for us to do the age that we are. Um, if you are a bit younger or a bit healthier or just aren't as concerned. Or don't um, drink as much wine. <laughs> or that too. Um, then there are lots of other companies as well. A very popular one in the digital nomad community is one called Safety Wing. They are considerably cheaper, so take a look at them as well. But always just bear in mind that you pay, you get what you pay for. So there's going to be a lot of exclusions on the on the cheaper plans. But yeah, if you're looking for something full cover, nice rounded package, we couldn't recommend Sigma enough. Yeah, and I think also, as, as, as Leanne says, it's basically you've got a GP. So you, you have a stomachache, then you book an appointment. An hour later, a doctor will ring you, talk to you over the phone. If you need to send pictures of anything like like embarrassing bodies, you need to send any, a picture of anything mm -hmm. that's going on, they'll look at it, and then they will write your prescription, which will come out. You print it out, you take it to the chemist, and you're gone. So it's not like, oh, if something goes wrong like safety wing generally is if something goes wrong then they'll take they'll take care of you this is just having the nhs in whichever country you live in yeah absolutely and well, private healthcare really isn't it well yeah i suppose you summed it up at the beginning didn't you so, other things that we obviously need to budget for is going out because um, if you are working if you're working abroad you're probably generally working remotely um, if you live with a partner um, or a friend that you can be spending lots of time with them is really important I think for both you to go out individually and also together to get out of the house because um, you know trying to save money on that is just going to end up <laughs> eroding your mental health I think. <laughs> Definitely and the thing as well when you when you live abroad when you're not working you are essentially a tourist mm. so it's nice to allow that little bit of budget that you can you can go to different towns and cities that you can do experiences you can do the whole tourist stuff as well um so typically for going out obviously just going out for dinner and drinks as well on mm. friday night lovely um <laughs> so typically we allow around about 300 pounds a month on that um we've not used it let's be honest in the last 12 months with covid um but we will we will so yeah we, we allow about 300 pounds a month just for just for fun and what about food Food, food, food fluctuates so much. Um, and I think this is definitely one thing to look in, into when you're budgeting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is if you can um, get an idea of food prices because they fluctuate so much and it can really add on to your budget. Uh, we came from Slovenia before we were in Croatia. I think already our grocery bill has gone down by about 30%. Mm -hmm. um, Slovenia is just so expensive for food. Croatia is a bit more expensive than we've been used to. It's probably a good 50% more expensive than somewhere like Bosnia. Mm -hmm. It's probably 25% more expensive than somewhere like Spain. Mm -hmm. um, so really just, just if you can get an idea or get on the local Facebook groups and just get an idea of, of food costs, we're currently allowing about £400 a month for food grocery shopping. Now, uh, if you listen, <laughs> if you keep listening, then towards the end, I'll give you a great website, which will tell you exactly how much, for example, a pint of milk or a kilogram of chicken costs in every country in the world, I believe. Oh, perfect. I know. So, uh, yeah, but you have to keep listening. You have to go do, <laughs> do a deal with us. And the, I think the other main thing that we, like the essentials that we budget for is uh, good data connectivity, good, good, I'm such a nerd, basically 4G. Um, in most countries, now I'm, I know I'm generalizing, but in a lot of European countries, if they do have like, um, if you come from the US or, um, or the UK, you tend to have like fiber optic wired Wi-Fi piped into your house. 
you'll find that it's not always the case in the places you go. For example, we're in we're about two kilometers from the local village, but we don't have any internet apart from a SIM card. So we have a router and a SIM card goes in it. Um, the good news is that and that uh, it is much cheaper for data over here. So something like ten pounds a month will give you. It says unlimited 4G. It's I think it's capped at 150 gigabytes or something. But you know, it's it, it's more than enough for most people. So, but we do have a couple of SIM cards. We also have a mobile SIM card router that you can put your SIM card into, um, which is about 100 quid. Um, and, uh, and we always get one or two or possibly even three of the local SIM cards um, so that if a network goes down and we've got an important meeting or phone call to make, then we plug in the new, the new SIM card and off you go. Um, so we probably put about 10 or 12 quid a month on those SIM cards, I would estimate. Um, yeah, and then on top of that, we still have our UK Sims as well. Yes, we do. Not sure how much longer that's going to last, but as long-term customers of EE, we are still riding that uh, very happy post-Brexit pandemic wave of data allowances being transferred. Um, so currently, we spend about £65 a month uh, for both of us in terms of our mobile phone contracts, and I would imagine that would stay about the same if we did have to move to a local SIM. So that's kind of the core things. If you drive a car abroad, then there's a couple of things you need to bear in mind. Um, you're going to need some insurance, obviously. Uh, you need to go back every year to get an MOT unless your car is less than five years old. But even then, if you go with the insurance company, which seems to be the only insurance broker in the UK that will allow you to spend 12 months in Europe, they still stipulate you have to go back once a year, back to the UK. That, help, that insurer is called Stuart Collins. They are very old school. I think they still ask you to fax stuff over or whatever, or fill out forms, scan it, and send it via email. It's, the website is looks like it's from 2003. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a great website. But they will charge, they charge us about £600 a year for our, ins our car insurance, which gives us the green card for all of Europe, apart from those strange ones like, Co not, not the Kosovo strange, but those little odd ones like Kosovo, um, and I think Albania is excluded from it um, but that's about 600 pound a year and it also includes the breakdown insurance as well and some legals which I think is worth paying for so those are kind of like what else is there anything else we spend regularly each month on um the only other things we kind of we budget for on a monthly basis um we usually put around 80 pound a month away for fuel for the car uh, we usually put around £30 a month away for Peanut, our dog, in terms of food and whatever else he might need. Um, we have our, our Netflix, Spotify, YouTube, that type of thing. That's about £35 a month. And then we also tend to just put in an extra £150 a month just for extra extras that come up. Um, so they're kind of our, our monthly outgoings. What we do as well is that we put aside monthly amounts for annual costs. Mm. So as Al said, with the car insurance, we put around our car insurance is about £700 a month. Um, a year. A, sorry, a year. That would be expensive, <laughs> wouldn't it? £700 a year. And is that dependent on the type of car you have? Well, of course, yes, I think. But um, sorry, that sounded very glib. Yes, it is. It's very much dependent on what right. type of car. So when all that is added together, um, our total monthly outgoings uh, each is £1,511. Oh, that's all right. I think that's all right. That covers everything, including putting money aside. Now, it doesn't include things like if you're investing. Um, obviously, we're self-employed, so pension doesn't include in that. But imagine that you earned 2000 uh, UK pounds. What's that, about $2,500 or something, US dollars? Yeah. So you imagine you earned £2,000. Well, you could live, and we'll tell you about the house in a second, but you could live very comfortably in most places in Europe 
and might have a really, really good level of living, standard of living. So we're talking about a house now. Um, so we pay um, 1,500 euros per month for our house. And we also obviously pay bills on top of that, which generally work at about 150 euros because we have three computers here. I'm a bit ridiculous and I've got two screens and all kinds of business <laughs> going on. Uh, we've also got a jacuzzi outside, a little, uh, little hot tub. So that's going to be expensive in the summer. And obviously we've, there's air conditioning. Um, so that might reduce a little bit in the winter. But we're talking about 1,500 euros. So 1,500 euros is about, what, 14, 13, 50, 1,400 pounds? Mm -hmm. And for that, we get a detached villa, which is a three-bedroom with a large upstairs bit with a little gym. And then where we're recording this, we've got our desks and our office and stuff. Um, then downstairs, it's got a really nice kitchen. It's got a sitting room. It's got bedrooms. It's got, weirdly, four toilets, but only one shower. Not quite sure why. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Uh, garage downstairs. Um, as you said, hot tub, it's sat in about half an acre of land, which is roughly split into 50-50. 50% is a, um, um, it's like a woodland, um, which we're too scared to go into because there's snakes, isn't there? <laughs> yes, but it, I mean, it gives a lovely atmosphere. It does. Yeah. It's lovely to look at. It's but... lovely to look at. Uh, apparently it's wild boar as well come through these in the in the winter so mm. we're going to have to look mm. out for that but then the rest of it is just established garden and it's just beautiful it's south facing it's about two kilometers from the from the village it takes about 10-15 minutes to walk down there um, yet it's really really quiet and it's got private drive and it's all walled so the dog can just run around like a knobhead like he does um, <laughs> just being uh, just exactly so bear in mind we're in we're in a fairly big house with a fair bit of land close to a fairly touristy town Very, yeah. on the coast. We're about a 10 minute walk to the beach. There is definitely much, much cheaper ways you can live in Istria. 100%. You can have a smaller house. You can go further inland, further away from the tourist spots. There's going to be plenty of ways to bring that down, probably by half easy. Um, so as I said, we're not saying all this in terms of where we live, in terms of look at us, just more of a case of we're a bit extra because we live and work at home. We we know what we like. We know what suits our lifestyle, um, know what suits your lifestyle. And if that is something that is completely different, if you prefer country and somewhere smaller and cozier, um, then yeah, half that went rent budget so as leanne says I, I hope it didn't come across as saying look at what we've got i wanted to sort of say that we are now currently living um our um, extra life our extra <laughs> life whereas we have i mean in fact literally the house before this it was a semi-detached in the center of a village no garden space thick walls tiny windows wasn't great place to be um, and we only paid 700 a month 700 pounds a month for that yeah. And that was including bills. That was including bills. Um, so just to, just to show you that, and in terms of Spain, we lived in, I mean, this is going back four or five years, but we lived in this beautiful house in Spain. And because we were in rural Andalusia, we paid around about, um, was it eight, 800 euros a month? Yeah, it was, yeah. 800 euros a month for a villa in the middle of some olive groves with a swimming pool, um, three bedrooms, looking out over the most magnificent view across, you know, from tens of like hundreds of kilometers you could see across these mountains and it was absolutely amazing absolutely and i think as well it's it's having a think first of all of what your dream scenario is in, in a dream world are you living in a house or an apartment are you living in the country are you living in the city how many bedrooms do you have do you have a separate office and it's it's adding all those things together and and knowing what is your dream and what is your your acceptable list and then when you start to look at places you can see in terms of affordability what you can get close to and we've done everything 
all in between those options we've lived in flats we've lived in cities we've we've worked at kitchen tables we've had a separate mm -hmm. office there's so many different ways to do it um i think it's just just yeah don't dare to dream yes write down everything that you want and then and then look at where you want to be and, and see what's achievable so that's a really lovely segue into our next section, which is ways to save money if you do want to live abroad, live and work abroad. The first one is around about the property. So with Airbnb, they are the most expensive platform, um, I think, for long-term lets. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but they are a good way to get somewhere, book somewhere, knowing what it looks like, knowing you've got some recompense if it goes wrong. So we recommend if you think, oh, I'd love to live in Istria, don't go on the internet and search for long-term rentals Istria because you're going to get the websites that are, are going to show properties that might be €1,000 over here. They'll be listing for €3,000 because they know that you're not in Istria. So wherever you go, you need to be on the ground. So our, our advice is... Get an Airbnb for two, three weeks, however long you think is reasonable. Get an Airbnb, pay the, air, pay, the, pay the man, pay the Airbnb man, and then as soon as you get on the ground, start looking around. When we arrived in our little, in a place called Colmenar, which is um, in Malaga, not the Colmenar Viejo, it's the other one, in Malaga, 6,000 people, mountain town, we arrived, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and the first thing we saw was a Guinness sign above a bar. And we were like, well, I'm wondering if they might be owned by English people. So we went across the bar, and not only was it owned by English people, but she had an estate agency or a rental agency. So we got in touch with her. We, had, we told her what we were looking for, and the properties that we were looking at were sort of five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred a month. Whereas when we'd look in online, before we'd arrived, then the similar kind of properties were more like 2,000, 1,500 because they obviously, are, you're paying a premium because you're not there. Mm, have, I, yeah. have I labored that point enough, do you think? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think everyone gets it. So, <laughs> um, second thing is that you can negotiate with Airbnb. We've done that lots and lots of times. In fact, if you're interested in doing that, then go on to Instagram, find Ask Sideways Life and send us a message because we've got a great 100 tip guide on how to negotiate on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can negotiate an Airbnb, particularly for a longer term stay. Oh, um, we've got a good, like almost half of what it initially said yes. on the listing. Yes. Um, yeah, you can negotiate real good. And I think as well, just going back to that with what I said before about hitting the ground first, if you can, if you can commit to a month, you get such big discounts for booking a month. You do get a small weekly discount, but you usually get a good chunky up to 50% discount for booking a month. So if you can maybe try that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and then other things you've got to think about in terms of um, saving money. Um, uh, our tip, which we learned from probably Money Saving Expert, was uh, to go and get specific credit cards that allow you to use them in Europe. We have a Santander One and a Halifax, or is it Halifax One? Halifax Clarity and Santander Zero. Zero. <laughs> and uh, although we clear them off every month, but we use them, or we used to use them before we got Starling, we used to use them um, in restaurants and stuff, just paying your local currency. Always pay in the local currency. So if you're in Croatia, it's Kuna. If you're in Slovenia, it's Euro. Always make sure you're paying that. And the second that brings me, the second thing is, obviously, don't when you take money out of the ATM, first of all, don't ever use your credit card. That's the worst thing you can do. But secondly, when you go and use your debit card, um, then just don't choose the conversion. They'll say, the, the, the ATM will say to you, do you want to pay this fixed amount of money? And they'll and they will go, no, without conversion, you click that. And they'll go, are you sure you don't want to pay this fixed amount of money and try and scare the hell out of you? And you still say no. Now, just to give you an idea, I took out about 1,800 kuna yesterday. Um, and that was, uh, they said, it, fixed amount was 239 pounds, 
When I declined that and just went for the standard, then what came out of my bank was £198. So we're talking about a huge amount of difference, a huge percentage by doing that. And also, if you're talking about doing that, then look at Starling Bank. It is absolutely incredible, but also they give you cards for traveling around Europe. Um, so look, we'll look more into them. They're changing things at the moment, so I know that now the euro account is a bit more expensive than it used to be. Um, but they're a great, mm -hmm. they're, they're a great company. So, yeah. So what we're talking about there with the the Starling debit cards, the Halifax and the Santander credit cards, is there's no international transaction fees. You don't get charged, and you might look at your bank account and think, oh, it's only five pound every time I withdraw 250 pounds or it's only one pound 50 whenever I pay on something my card it adds up so quickly it really really does so we're talking no transaction fees uh really good and really good conversion rates so you don't have to accept the local bank's conversion rate brilliant and the last tip I've got for money is a uh, go to get download an app called transfer wise it's now just called wise it used to be called transfer wise and you can transfer money all around the world to a different all kinds of different bank accounts and it is so cheap it is so cheap. Um, normally, when we used to transfer money from our UK account to our Spanish account, we pay about 18 quid each time that happened. Now it's like £1.80 if you use TransferWise. Mm -hmm. They look also, you can, you can actually create, uh, get your own card for them. So you might even be able to run your entire finances through TransferWise. Now called Wise. Yes. Not sponsored by TransferWise. <laughs> or Starling. <laughs> or Starling. But it should be. I wish we were. That would be great. Anything um, else? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, it's it's like there's always money saving hacks wherever you are, isn't there? So I'm sure you'll, if you're uh, if you're a bit savvy with the old dollar, you'll figure out your own ways to um to save some. But they're probably our, our big our big ones, aren't they? Yeah, and also, I mean, if you are if you are savvy, then great. Be savvy about you know stuff that you can live without. Don't come over here and either have such a small budget that you can't leave the house or try and skimp and say, I'm not going to go out because, you know, just going out and seeing where you're living, that's part of the experience of being here. Going out there and eating the local food, drinking the local drinks and... Is, is that for Leanne's looking at me as if to say, Definitely. Shut up. No? no, no, definitely. I think it's... I just think there's two things to that as well, isn't it? If you're... Yes, don't be don't be overly savage to the point where you haven't got the budget to get out and do anything. But if you're on a tighter budget, there are also lots of things that you can do for free. Most cities and towns have free walking tours. Um, look at your local Facebook groups. They'll usually arrange events that are, that are free or a small cost. Um, so there are ways to get out and about on a limited budget. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to allow a little bit of budget for that. That's why you've moved abroad, right? To see to see the world. Brilliant. Okay, so shall we get onto the resources section then? What's resources? Resources is the list I've made, which I'm pretending to know off the top of my head, of all the places that we've found lots of information. Cool. So number one is, do you want to tackle that one, Leanne? Local Facebook groups. <laughs> I think we've talked about this quite a lot before yeah. on this podcast. So yeah, Facebook is actually a really good resource for for expatry and digital nomading um, in terms of meeting people, asking questions. Um, and, and that's coming from people who don't really use Facebook for much else. Um, but yeah, have a little look on Facebook for usually it's something like Digital Nomads Croatia, Digital mm. Nomads Slovenia or Digital Nomads Expats, Split, Expat Split. split. Um, yeah, just have a look at that and you'll you'll find lots of, of good stuff on there and great for meeting people, asking questions, finding 
access to local facilities or anything from medical care to how where can I buy almond milk, you know? Mm-hmm. It's also really good if you if you like a bit of drama like I do. It's also really good for looking at for it finding really there are some odd people in the groups, and you'll see some odd arguments about odd things. It's a really really. Funny there is there is a good at least like twenty to twenty five percent of any expat or nomad group is like keyboard warriors. Yes. Yeah. Very 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 strange. <laughs> Um, fun anyway, to watch it is it's great you just get your popcorn out and just watch these arguments or if you wanted to be like me you just lob a, a grenade in terms of a weird post in and just see what happens it's brilliant anyway <laughs> so the um the next one which we talked about referred to earlier if you've been listening since i mentioned it earlier then well done uh, is numbio or numbeo i'm not sure how you say it. it's n-u-m-b-e-o.com so numbio and what you can do there is you can say i want to see the cost of living come and in Bratislava, the cost of living in Thailand, in wherever you want to choose, but you can also compare as well. So you can select two or three of them to compare. So um, it will tell you about the price of milk. It'll tell you about how much a drink costs, how much um, uh, um, going out to have a meal for two in a modest place will cost, an expensive place will cost, et cetera, et cetera. And it's quite interesting to see like the differences between, for example, Portugal and Croatia is they're very similar on a lot of things, but some things like food, Portugal's half the price. Um, from Croatia, so it's interesting. So that's numbeo.com. Very good. And the final one is Nomad List. Um, it's just a great resource for everything, really. Um, so if you're interested in being a nomad or even an expat, just have a little look at Nomad List. It's got loads of great guides on there um, and tells you about the particular areas. So that's really good. For those of you who are driving, then the insurance company I talked about was Stuart Collins. They're based in Cardiff. I just search for Stuart Collins Insurance and you will find them. Do you think we've covered everything, Leanne? I think we've covered a lot. I think we've given people a fair idea of of, of costs and, and and resources and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's enough to go out there. Brilliant. Right, so we'll call it a day then. So uh, don't forget, we've got coming up, we've got the lovely Yulia who's going to be talking about traveling with children. We don't have kids, no intention of having kids, so we could never possibly comment on that. But even if you don't have kids, Yulia is such a cool person. Uh, originally from the Ukraine, moved to San Francisco when she was 11, uh, married another guy who was from the former Soviet um, Union. Am I saying that right? think so and then moved to netherlands and now she's in croatia and it's just a great story really interesting and if you do have children hello professor if you do have children um then it is a, a, an invaluable episode for you so we we'll look out for that and then after that we've got our best places in europe for autumn and then part two our best places in europe for winter yeah i've run out of breath oh, i think we should probably leave it there then hey? right bye bye on the Facebook Spain expat one that you put about dressing up dogs in clothes. <laughs> that was a shit storm. It didn't go down very well. Oh.